Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, the final hour is here on this Monday edition. OutKick 360 rolls on. We're so in sync, by the way, that we kind of wore the same color today. But it's just just enough off that, you know, it, it works. So... But it's very similar tones that we're wearing today. It is. And, you know, we'll probably continue this streak throughout the week, if I had to guess. We don't, we don't coordinate. Any, we, had to, we did have someone yesterday ask if we were married. Um, yeah. And I said, no, Chad would not accept my proposal. And I really think that they were asking if we were married to each other, not if no, we were they married. Were. No, yeah, they were. Yeah, they were asking if you, you and I. You guys married? Yeah, that was, that was I, a first. I said, I wish. I wish Chad would. Would have said yes. I feel long, like long, long ago. We both, you know, subconsciously Hutton chose sort of a football grass field theme. There you go. With our colors today coming in, go. excited like about the football like weekend. It. And yeah, if I had to guess, we'll probably subconsciously choose the same color every day without talking about it. Um, what color would Ken Dorsey choose uh, today? Coming off the red hot uh, anger that we saw from the offensive coordinator in the coach's booth yesterday in Miami, the Bills lose putting up 19. Um, They held the ball for over 40 minutes and ran 90 plays and had mistake after mistake. This is from Phil Yates on on Twitter. You can see Dorsey just slamming things. This (laughs) is uh, literally hours after, and he slams the tablet. This is hours after the NFL, in all its glory, you know, its brilliance, puts out a memo stating that uh, players, uh, teams can be fined Players can be fined if they throw the Microsoft tablets around the way Brady did last week. That was replayed. And, uh, you know, exhibit uh, for, for all those that are wondering, well, what's another example? Here you go. Here's Ken Dorsey. Here's his quote. It was obviously a playoff atmosphere. Obviously, we were, we're not on the winning end of it, so it's frustrating. And, you know, reacted that way. And obviously, that's something that I'm definitely going to learn from. I'm going to make sure let's correct moving forward. Thanks, Ken. <laughs> so I loved it. Like I, I that loved it is, too. And here's here's where the league has it all wrong. Yeah. Okay. They're doing this because they want to protect one of their corporate sponsors yes. in Microsoft yes. with these tablets. Yep. Microsoft is missing a great opportunity for an ad campaign where they take the clips. They have the rights to them mm-hmm. of Brady of Dorsey destroying this and then turning it into something funny about. Hey, if you get mad at something and you happen to break your tablet, here's where you can go and buy, you know, another Surface or whatever the hell the product is. It's I don't, I don't care about. That's it. But like turn it into something that's good for your your corporate sponsor instead of oh guys, we, you know, this is uh, th- it's it's like holy scripture that they're looking at here with yeah. these. We cannot deface <laughs> these tablets <laughs> on national television and insult our spot. Give me a break. Well, soon it's going to be. And Those they- things are going to get replaced so quickly and easily when someone does that 
the very few times it happens, it's not that big of a deal. Well, there's a camera on all these guys now. And and see, that's that's really the difference is, you know, that what are the odds that five years ago, 10 years ago, I don't even want to go, go back that far, where you have a camera in every coach's box and a visiting coach's box at that. This is not the home team. You know, he's at Hard Rock Stadium where there's a camera in the room. Not just a camera for like, like across the field looking up into the box, right? You've got this, you've got Dorsey losing his mind with the camera sitting there staring at him the entire game. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't do something to the camera that was recording him instead of the tablet that was in front of him. That would have been the best. It's the yeah. last thing you see is him like actually yeah. his hand grabbing the camera that's facing towards him. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to get fined for that. Let's let's add to that fine right now. I'm going to break some uh, some equipment of the networks. Later, we'll give you our. I thought it was hilarious. DraftKings picks for Monday Night Football. Uh, Chad, Tennessee gets the win over Florida this week. Describe the uh, the atmosphere from those that you've talked with. I know Clay was there. Uh, he had a great time, and uh, it, he set the scene perfectly on Big Noon kickoff Saturday morning. Post game had to be crazy. Um, either way, Knoxville, in our terms here, was going to burn, yeah. win or lose. But it, it's hard to imagine a more celebratory evening in Knoxville than what took place Saturday. Yeah, I think it was the capital of college football on Saturday was Knoxville, Tennessee. And the fan base, for all the warts of, of Tennessee fans, the bad rap they get and everything else, which you know some of it's warranted for sure, um, they get off the deck better than anyone oh, was, else. In America, if you give them any reason to get excited, they will show up in droves and they will bring the best atmosphere that you can find in college football. So kudos to them. I mean, just watching on television, the CBS broadcast, which I want to talk for a second about the CBS broadcast. I thought it was horrible. And I don't understand. It's as if when they bought the rights to the Big Ten, they swapped out their production people and went with a C crew. Because... The color orange of the Tennessee is off. It's burnt orange. It's Texas orange on the score bug at the bottom. Maybe so. They were given the wrong stats at times. They were given the wrong replay a number of times. They didn't get back in time. They were really close for play. I say this because I've always thought the CBS production was terrific for the SEC game of the week at 2.30. There was a real step down. I don't know if it has something to do with their announcement they're moving away from the SEC and to the Big Ten, and this is kind of a lame duck production crew that they have this year. But I, I thought I doubt it. I mean, I, I thought it was I thought it was a step down. I don't know if anybody else saw that. Maybe I'm crazy. Making but too much money off the I ads. Didn't, for, I didn't think it was. That. I didn't think it was as good as Norman. I'm not someone who hates on CBS or Gary Danielson or Brad Nestler. I think those guys do a good job. I thought they were okay. I just thought the overall production quality was not top notch. Atmosphere in Knoxville looked top-notch. Everyone I've talked to that was at the game said it was as loud as they can remember. I think 113.9 decibels. It was sustained for 27 straight seconds at one point in the third or fourth quarter on defense, uh, which was approaching some records at Neyland Stadium. Um, Tennessee, when they're right, they do atmosphere as well as anyone in college football. And this offense gave the fan base a big reason to, for, for cheers on, on Saturday. I thought it all, every 
every circumstance of that game just made it lead to just a really good college football game, right? Yeah. People I know that don't care at all about the SEC or Tennessee, Florida said, man, I just really enjoyed it was, it was fun. watching that game. It felt like the stakes were high. You yes. had the the last, you know, two minute drive for ninety nine yards. That was exciting well, in that first half. Um, we mentioned the Ramel Keaton catch down the sideline, oh, which was remarkable. We haven't talked about that enough though. That that is that is one of the marquee highlight passes and and receptions that we will see on a loop. Not just for, you know, the the Tennessee flair if they're trying to hype up some some fan base, you know, ten years from now. That's like a that's worthy of an ABC open whenever they get the rights to the SEC, right? Like that's that's worthy of a highlight reel from across the the conference that you can keep there for a decade plus. It was that good. Well, so many of these guys now they practice the one handed catch. So yep. it's becoming commonplace. I mean, the NFL, they can do it routinely where you see guys, the one-handed grab. Those are great catches. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know if people really understand just how difficult the full extension, total disregard for your body when you go horizontal in the air, face about to hit the turf, yeah. looking back at a ball, you're going full speed. There's a DB right behind you. And you lay out to that extent, you catch it with your fingertips and bring it to your body. And mind you, you're doing all this falling face first onto the grass and you pull it in in time. And the way he hit and kind of rolled over to where the ball didn't even move. I mean, it was, it looked like something that was clearly going to have to be um, the way he caught it. It was going to be reviewed, you think, because there's no way he caught that ball that cleanly. And he snagged that thing cleanly. Brought it in, just an incredible catch. That was, I thought, a big moment in the game because when Tennessee took that lead at halftime and you knew they were getting the ball to start the second half, my immediate thought, Hutton, was, well, now it's a 10-point lead, right? Yeah. They went up 17-14, then I'm thinking, now they're going to go score to start the second half, and suddenly the whole tone of the game changes with a 10-point lead. You knew that Billy Napier was going to continue to go for it on fourth down try to score every time, not punt back to Tennessee, but that really changed things. Tennessee got the two-for-one, and it ends up being the difference. I'm going to get back to Tennessee in just a moment, Chad. Two quick notes defensively in the NFL as far as injuries are concerned. Joey Bosa with the Chargers, a significant groin injury, according to his head coach Brandon Staley, week to week. That means he's missing some time. Also, Browns defensive end Miles Garrett, involved in a single car crash after practice today with Cleveland. He and a passenger sustained non-life-threatening injuries. So they're saying he's injured. Non-life-threatening injuries and were transported to a nearby hospital. The car went, I'm, I'm reading this from Cameron Justice on, on Twitter, at Cam Justice, Cammy Justice. Um, the car went off the road, off the side of the road, flipped several times before coming to arrest. Miles Garrett sustained minor injuries. And there's a story up now through uh, News 5 in Cleveland. So Goodness. we'll keep you updated there. But again, non-life-threatening Just injuries for Miles Garrett. Thankful that uh, it's non-life-threatening or minor injuries is the report. Non-life-threatening injuries is what it says. Okay, well, we wish the best so for again, him. Like that's, I read that as he's injured. Yeah, no, that's, that's terrible. Uh, Neither wishing, alcohol, wishing him the best. No alcohol or drugs were factors in the crash. According to Highway uh, Patrol, traffic charges are pending. 
Both Garrett and the female passenger taken to a nearby hospital. Non-life-threatening injuries, officials said both were wearing seatbelts. That according to News 5 in Cleveland, news5cleveland.com. Well, wishing, wishing him the best. That's so, not a good situation. Yes, yeah, so we'll, and we'll keep you updated throughout the hour. Um, back to Tennessee briefly. Week off, and then they head to Baton Rouge. By and, the way, announced today, that's an 11 a.m. Central kickoff. That's a big break. And I'm stunned for by Tennessee. that. Yes, because... Why would you not want Tennessee... What what other game is going on that week? So the the big game there. Well, there's two. Um, they're gonna put. Is it A and M Bama that week? They've got a doubleheader: Auburn, Georgia. Okay. At two thirty two thirty Central, A and M at Bama okay. is the night game. There was some thought that maybe they'll hold it back because it couldn't have been that Tennessee Bama is bigger than A and M Bama the following week and play that at night in Knoxville as part of the doubleheader. Now it looks like. You're definitely going to see Tennessee Bama at 2.30 on CBS, win, lose, or draw for Tennessee in two weeks against LSU. Uh, but that's a break. Anyone who has yeah. been to Baton Rouge at night knows that it is just very different. The LSU plays different at night. The, the crowd is obviously very different. For you know That's yeah. an 11 a.m. local time. They're not, there. they're not happy with this. You want to have a brunch date. No one's happy with You want to have a brunch date with, uh, with LSU and not a dinner date. <laughs> when you go down there on the road. So Tennessee gets a brunch with LSU, which which is good. But yeah, two weeks to prepare. You know, big question now for Tennessee, a couple things. Uh, they got some guys banged up in the secondary that weren't that great to begin with, but they need the depth. They need to continue almost every game trying different guys out at corner to see if someone is having a good game to try to develop some, some more guys at that spot. Two is Cedric Tillman, who I think is a top three to five receiver in all of football. With two more weeks, he could play against LSU. I don't think it's a certainty. I, I, I believe the Alabama game right now, and this is talking to people that have seen him try to move on this, Alabama's a lot closer to certainty for well, him to be ready for that game. He may not even be ready in two weeks. It also helps when you have Brew McCoy, 5 for 102, uh, Jalen Hyatt, 5 for 58. Ramil Keaton, 3 for 69. And the catch we're referring to, uh, Jacob Warren, Princeton Fant, who uh, the tight ends were awful early on, but they put production. They spread the ball around in the passing game. And if they can, if they can find some consistency in the run game, Chad, that's why you can ease Tillman back into it by Bama, right? Yeah, and, and they... You're not forcing it back because you lack the production. I mean, even look, even if you want Cedric Tillman, do not get me wrong. I mean, that's a big blow to Tennessee. That'd be a big blow to anyone, losing that guy on your team. But Ramel Keaton's been pretty good every time he's gotten a chance. We talked about the, the great catch down the sideline. He had, I think, eight yards after the catch at one point to get a big, maybe, maybe more than that, to put Tennessee in position on a second and long to make it third and short. Uh, he was when they called upon him, and I think consistently, he's been decent for the Vols. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick three sixty again at Outkick three sixty is where you can uh, interact with the show. You can also chat with Chad on on YouTube. Your computer's back working, right? Yeah, my computer's. I apologize to everyone in the YouTube chat uh, after after them? asking everyone who was watching on YouTube to give a thumbs up immediately my computer crashed and I haven't been back in there. But I'm getting back in the YouTube chat right now to chat with people. Uh, Titans and Bengals po- both pick up their first win of the season. The Raiders are the only team 0-3 after losing uh, yesterday to Tennessee. And uh, the Bengals do it um, on the road against the Jets. 
really no issues here. Joe Burrow throws for two touchdown passes in the first half. Uh, he had one to P. Ryan. He had another one to Tyler Boyd. That, I believe, the second one had, gave them a 17-6 lead, and from there, they were, they were coasting. At times, he had better protection. But at least the majority of the, the game that I was watching in real time uh, and from the press box yesterday, Chad, there are still major issues that they're working through. Uh, the Jets' defensive front, while they didn't get to Burrow at nearly the, the rate we've seen over the first two weeks, Burrow's you know, escaping the pocket, rolling to his left, sidearm throw, perfect you know, execution on the boundary. They're moving, they're moving the sticks. I mean, he looks like a, a star doing it, but he's under a lot of duress. And uh, yesterday, he had some receivers step up. Higgins had a 100 yards by halftime. Boyd had a 100 yards by halftime receiving. And uh, what second half they connect with? He connects with Jamar Chase. Yeah, Bur- Jets are buried at, at that point. The, the offensive line, they're struggling, and I don't it's, know. It's a I don't know how long you can continue to do that. Well, it's a challenge to me to even watch or or analyze the Cincinnati team because while Burrow and Chase are truly great, and they're going to be great for a while, it's this crossing out of can you still be good? when you're so deficient in one area. Yeah. They're so bad protecting them. They're so bad that it's all... They're going to get Joe Burrow injured at some point. Yeah, I mean, and, it, and it's not... Take away the fact that it's it's making their season not successful because they can't keep him upright and they can't give him any time. But I think a mixture of the play calling with the inability to protect Joe Burrow could be the downfall of the Cincinnati yeah. team. And they have, again, Burrow to chase is a great combo that they have to protect at all costs. On the flip side, on the Jets side, Joe Flacco went back to being Joe Flacco that we've seen in recent years and not the Joe Flacco from the Ravens that was good in this game after having a really good finish in that game uh, against Cleveland. It sounds like Zach Wilson can return this week. They're on the road against Pittsburgh. Um, This was the timetable. So um, I think we'll see middle of the week him return to practice in some regard. So uh, the Jets are on the road in Pittsburgh next week. Cincinnati, Thursday night football uh, against the Dolphins, and they will be debuting their all-white color rush uniform with the white helmets. Have you seen the white helmets yes. for Cincy? They're, People are they're, going nuts over those helmets. They look good. They look good. It's, it's different. Um, the black and white, it's a good contrast. Um, solid. That's going to be a great game. Short week. Bengals coming off their first win. Dolphins handling the success now of being the buzz of the NFL. You got the team that went to the Super Bowl a year ago, who's you know off to a slow start in the AFC. Meanwhile, the talk of the of the new season is down in South Beach. Two on a short week with a back issue, quote unquote, and uh, a, a Miami defense that just held Buffalo, who possessed the football for over forty minutes of game time, to nineteen points. Since we're talking uniforms, just momentarily, and I don't want to offend Tyler Castle in here, who's our resident big oh, Buckeyes fan. Go ahead. Um, I, I hate when they wear the black uniforms. I hate it. There's something about a night game in Columbus that when they have the scarlet and gray on, it looks terrific. It's the blend of the color of their turf with that uniform that looks great well, it's at classic. night. It's classic. And the light almost shines off the, the gray helmet. 
when they go with the black uniform, it really throws me off. It did not throw them off in the game with their play. No. Because they just well, absolutely whipped Wisconsin in this game. Yeah, I've, I've been um, I've been holding back a sneeze all day. Forty. They led 45-7 at one point in the game. Yeah, but that, that uniform, it just – some alternates I'm a fan of. I feel like when you have the classics, like Ohio State's one of those programs with the classics. Don't go away from the classics – especially in a night game like that. I, I did not like the look. 52 points, the most scored against a Wisconsin defense since 2014. This is also, we brought this up with Bobby Carpenter last week. Wisconsin had the top secondary in the Big Ten based on takeaways with the interceptions. I think they went in the game with seven interceptions. And you had you know, Ohio State who doesn't turn it over at a high rate. And you knew they were, I, I thought the game would be like 38-14 but like 24-14 for the majority, 10-point uh, advantage maybe, right? Yeah. Like nine, 10 points. We thought and Wisconsin then, would show up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would think Wisconsin's defense would do better than allowing 52 and, uh, again, 45-7 at one point. And then the offense, known for that hard-nosed running style, they get 11 total first downs the entire game against the Buckeyes' defense. Ohio State, uh, I've got them winning the championship this year in our early picks. And they're facing, I've got them facing Bama. They very very well may face Georgia. But the way C.J. Stroud is spending it and the weapons they have at receiver, the dual threat running back, the way their defense is playing this year compared to last year, uh, gradual improvement week to week off of what we saw from Notre Dame to how they just destroyed Wisconsin. And Wisconsin's not at the level we've seen. But still, I mean... You don't see so, this against Wisconsin. You know, Iowa, they, they, it's a mockery, their offense, early in the year. But they go to Rutgers and win going away, which surprised me a yeah. little bit. But I look at the Big Ten West right now in that division. Wisconsin does not look very good. No, Iowa doesn't have an offense. We all know about Nebraska's troubles. Minnesota looks great in that division right now. I mean, if you're looking at a, a team that's got a really good shot, of being the representative in the Big Ten championship game, I really like Minnesota in that Big Ten West because when at their best, and you know th- that's usually Wisconsin's division. I feel like to lose, not this year. I- I've been completely unimpressed with Wisconsin. Hutton, they played like a team early. Watching the first ten minutes of that game, they looked like a team that knew they were beaten before they stepped on the field. Yeah, there was no hope with Wisconsin that game. They. They were inferior, and they looked like a team that knew they were inferior before the ball was kicked off. You're saying Akron played with more confidence a week ago in Knoxville? Yes, Akron came out, and wow. they took the, the approach of, we're going to hit low. Wow. We're going to try to take guys out of the game. <laughs> now we're here. We're, let's, let's get wild in this setting. C.J. Stroud, by the way, he's thrown for 1,222 yards, 16 touchdowns, one interception so far this season. With that production... I don't know if anyone other than Michigan comes close to giving them any type of threat based on your description of the Big Ten right now. And Michigan, I thought, played well offensively, but they're in a way too close of a game with Maryland this weekend also. Maryland's playing with a little bit more swagger, though. You know, Maryland had that one game against Iowa last year on that, what, Friday night where they put up what felt like 93 points. Um, And then they just lost it. There's a bit more of a... A rhythm and an energy to them. I'm trying to find the tweet that I retweeted someone on, though. Then now when I think of Maryland, there was a tweet that I had on, on Friday retweeting someone that had the lowest 
attendance in Power 5 college football based on percentage sold or percentage full, and Maryland was on that list. Who's number one? Where was UCLA on that UCLA, list? I think, was number one. Um, Chad, there was a... There, I, think, I think they were number one. It, again, it's all based on percentage. So that's not taken into account if your stadium's no really small. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Vanderbilt was definitely on the list. If I can go back and But for Power it. Fives, you're saying? Yes. So there was a shot of a, a field goal attempt last week for UCLA. And, I mean, the kick is up, and it looks like, like a guy holding tryouts on a Wednesday um, at the Rose Bowl. There was not a person in the stands visible on the end zone cam I've, shooting the opposite direction to show you the field goal on TV. I've got the percentages now, Hutton. UCLA, number one, worst. 37.3% full. Northwestern, who, by the way, is atrocious. After winning in Dublin over Nebraska... They are awful. They are who we thought also they were. Also awful about getting fans in the stands. 50.68% full for Northwestern. Number three, Vandy. 55.21%, which I, I think may be fibbing the numbers a bit because they're not Wake typically Forest. having over half their stadium Wake full. Forest brought that kind of crowd? <laughs> well, the visiting crowd does help Vandy, though, a lot, more than some of these other programs. Yeah. Maryland's fourth at 56.87%. Fifth is Cal, 58.56%. If you're looking for a common theme, Northwestern, Vandy, Cal, three places way more consumed with academics than college football, <laughs> right? The, I would yes. say the, uh, the, the whole vibe on those campuses is not centered around sports when you think about Northwestern, Vandy, and Cal. Hit us up on Twitter. We've got uh, more reaction to the NFL and college football straight ahead on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on. Jeff Collins is out at Georgia Tech. Bring on primetime, baby. Well, this is, uh, this is an intriguing moment for Georgia Tech. When you think about the direction of college football and the relevance of their program right now, they have a chance to have a ripple effect a bit with a hire. Now, keep in mind that this is a, a, tough, a tough position for a coach to take over. But Chad, if they come in with some lethargic, you know, non-imaginative hire, they're probably setting their their program up for the same type of result where we don't really think about them in the grand scheme of power five relevance, yeah. right? And they know, are at a crossroads and for know, sure. And knowing where we're headed with the the true power super conferences where that would put them versus you mentioned primetime. Deion Sanders has already been mentioned for that position. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm not saying it's Dion, but I'm intrigued to find out where Georgia tech places this on the, on the priority list of, do we want more of the same 
which, I mean, you can win at Georgia Tech running a, a special style and a special system. We saw that. But at the same time, we've also seen what happens when you just stick with the same mentality and the same drive. They, they have uh, their, their former, um, former player, right, former offensive lineman, who's taken over as the interim head coach, their run game coordinator, I believe. That is uh, – Well, it doesn't uh, matter. <laughs> well, no, I'm trying to think of it. He, he was – he's the same guy – and look this up for me, Davey, if you don't mind. He's the same guy who um, – he replaced Mario Cristobal at Alabama whenever Cristobal took the head coaching job and at FIU. And then this guy stepped in. Then he is back with Georgia Tech as the run game coordinator and offensive line coach. He's their interim coach. Yeah, the the only name I, I've I've seen in relation to the story is Todd Stansberry, out as, as AD also. Um, oh yeah, I, I'm yeah. looking it's now a, for yeah. Brent Key, there you go. That's him. Sorry, Brent, but also sorry. I'm not including you in this uh, on the uh, making a wave and a headline. Like they need they need a splash. I'm not always trying to make you know and, and win the win the press conference. It's not about that either. It's just, man, just it, it be is, interesting. Though, be it, interesting. But this is the rare time that it is about winning the press conference because I, I am rarely someone who's in favor. I just say, just go hire a good football coach. Mm-hmm. You know, Lance Leipold wasn't going to knock the world on fire when you hired him, but dude's a good football coach, and he wins everywhere he goes. Uh, I think Georgia Tech needs – granted, yes, it would help if the guy could coach football, <laughs> whoever they hire, but they need some – Spark, yeah. They they need sizzle. That they need to do whatever it takes to get Deion Sanders back to Atlanta to lead that program. He's going to recruit well. He's going sure. to bring some NIL flavor, yes, to Georgia Tech football if he's there. That's a program that needs excitement. They need players first and foremost. Here's the good news about Georgia Tech: you are literally smack dab in the middle of Atlanta one of the top three or four cities in America for high school football players and athletes all around you in that metropolitan area. So you've got everyone. You don't have to leave Atlanta to bring in players and make Georgia Tech relevant. So who can do that? I think Deion Sanders can. This may sound crazy to some, but what that would do, this, this is a time that the press conference does matter for Georgia Tech. I think if you go the route, Jeff Collins looked like a decent hire. He had two good years at Temple when they hired him. But going away from the triple option and Paul Johnson and bringing in anyone was going to be a slow process and a painful one. It was made more painful by the fact Jeff Collins just didn't do a very good job in his time there at Georgia Tech. They need a spark. They need sizzle. Primetime is the answer. I think you go to him, you show that you're serious about football, that you're serious about making it work in this major metropolitan area in Atlanta, and you see if you can hire Deion Sanders. Clemson wins 51-45 in overtime against Wake Forest. I, uh, I picked Wake in an upset, and I was thrilled whenever, and what I thought had a chance to be a big mismatch with how good Clemson's defensive front is compared to how slow developing the Wake Forest offense is built to run where you know they want to sit back there and wait just an extra split second before deciding if they're going to hand off the or sl- go the slow mesh yeah. the wait for a slow mesh yeah and i you know it, it's frustrating it's also very pretty at times too 
whenever you're not facing Clemson's defensive front. And I was worried. I was like, oh, this is going to be a disaster whenever I I saw this game kick off. I don't understand how they don't fumble more with that. Like Watching that that whole method blows my mind because it is a great simpatico moment with running back and quarterback where you don't just rip the ball out of his hands as he's trying to pull it back. Right, I mean, like the 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 way they practice that and get it done with Dave Clawson really fascinates me. I, I don't know how it doesn't lead to more fumbles. Let me also take this time to make an apology uh, to the people of Wake Forest in Truist Field because that place was rocking. I joked on Friday that I, I have a hard time buying into the atmosphere at a place named after a bank in college football when you have the corporate sponsorship to the field. Doesn't give me a lot of warm and fuzzy feelings about the atmosphere generated there. I thought it was great watching that game on Saturday. Loud, it was packed. People were into it. Well, that was going to be student section. that was going to be an enormous win for Wake Forest. The uh, the aerial view in the midway through the first quarter, uh, the empties up top in the student section didn't look good. Um, for and I know the school's got what nine thousand people that go there. Come on, I had you a, got Clemson uh, there. I had I had a softball game coaching from ten thirty to noon. So I may have come in after the first quarter when the student section decided to wake up and show up to the game. It may have been a little bit later. Uh, Sam Hartman is going to uh, win a lot of people over the course of this season. Um, Tough. We know that. Um, Fighting through and just having to sit and wait to find out if he's going to be medically cleared. Does. Shows up to Vandy. Puts on a show. And then throughout this game, I mean, he completed just 20 passes. But those 20 passes went for 337 yards. Um, Six touchdowns for Wake against Clemson's defense. And maybe we're seeing a a slight decline in Clemson's defense. Maybe Hartman and and what Wake Forest is doing offensively uh, was just that good and that much more improved. Um, Clemson's still fifth in the country, though, Chad, and and they do it. They they get by. They win 51-45 in OT. Um, Clemson, 559 yards of offense but they needed that late field goal to push it to overtime. They get it. Was it 50, something like 50 yeah, yards? Yeah, And this was after they led 14-0. I mean, it looked like the game was at hand early. They were rolling. And then Wake Forest woke up. Credit to them. Yeah, DJU was good in this game. Uh, percentage still wasn't great, 26 for 41 in this game he's for him. He's better, though. Yeah, he's he's yeah. much better. That, that was but what I was going to say. He's still not... Where no, he's not great. Yeah, he's not delivering on expectations of he top quarterback great. in the country, five star guy, all of that, and following up for Trevor Lawrence and what he did offensively for Clemson. But man, it's a lot better than it was the first couple of games this yep. year. I know Wake Forest defensively is not great, but that was a much improved performance for him. Makes me think a little bit differently about Clemson. It's weird saying that in a game that you know you you win in overtime over Wake Forest. But I feel better about Clemson yeah, he now played, in the he, ACC because he was solid Saturday because their Wake Forest offense is terrific. Clemson's defense still has the ability to shut people down at times, and if they can get anything well, front four. anything approaching that offense they had on Saturday, only going to be good news for Clemson now moving forward. Again, the percentage wasn't great for DJU in this game, but overall, a well, big step in the right direction. And the direction. body of work, I mean, he's completing 64% of his passes this season compared to 56 last year. He's on pace to throw for 1,000 more yards this year than last year. Uh, five touchdowns, no picks this past week uh, against Wake. So, yeah, I think there's reason for optimism. I still think the better quarterback's behind him. And I, I think they know that, too. 
um, in 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 some cases, right? Like they they well, know it's, yeah they it, know the five star. When it comes to that, it's is the backup developing, especially when you have a freshman that they have right, and right. Uh, Klubnik behind him. But is it a situation where they can improve enough in practice and with the system and what you want to do offensively over the course of practices? during the season to where if things go south again, like we saw in the first couple of games, then could you make, take, make the move? Well, and then you because it's all about a comfort level, you know, guys don't want to throw out a, a freshman when they have someone with experience ahead of them also, right off the bat. I think there's, but can they, can they come along more practicing week to week early on in their career where you feel comfortable? Okay. Now we can make the switch. See, I think with Dabo, he's almost looking for perfect timing because he needs it based on what he preaches, which is loyalty to the program. Yep. And so he's got to show loyalty to his starting QBs whenever they get in that they're not looking over their shoulder and there's not going to be a quick hook. And the quote after the game about DJU and his performance speaks to that, although he's not saying it. I know how talented the kid is. It's not theory. It's not pie in the sky. I've watched him. Everyone in the country recruited this kid. He's a great football player who had a bad year. And nobody wants to hear all the reasons why. They just want to pile on DJ. Everybody wants a quarterback change. I just have belief in him. I know who he is. I know his heart. So it's easy. If he wasn't doing everything, it would be different. That's Dabo Sweeney discussing DJ. And uh, everyone's discussing the quarterback change, except for the head coach for the Tigers. Hutton, speaking of loyalty, because you mentioned that word, um, story coming down during our show, Luther Burden, who's the five-star freshman in Missouri, has scrubbed all mentions of Missouri football. This is a classic move now. Giving up social media? From all social... To well, focus all, on, games. on all social media, but he's taking a step further, and he has posted a very cryptic message on Instagram. And I'm trying to find the exact message. Uh, but he stripped everything down. Peace? Was a peace sign? <laughs> that, that would have been so much better. What, what I always think about the Josh Reynolds, was it vacant that he had the shirt? Was that what it was at the time for the Titans? Um, he posted on Instagram just the words, patiently waiting, dot, dot, dot. For the football? For a quarterback? For a transfer portal <laughs> spot? Because I've seen Luther Burden play, and he can go play well, anywhere in the country if he wanted to transfer. For a made He's kick? that good of a talent. For a kicker? Missouri's whiff on that. Oh, oh my gosh. On that chip shot? Wow. I still wow. firmly believe that if you have plays and time left, it does not hurt you to run the football and try to get it in the end zone at some point. With college I, kickers? I just, any kicker, I, I hate having to leave the fate of my team <laughs> after the course of 60 hard-fought minutes to come down to the foot of a kicker. And that is a classic example of why. 17 If, you're, 14 if your final. offense has a chance to block and secure the ball, but run it up the middle and try to score a touchdown, and there's time left, I'd prefer that option to just taking a knee and setting up a field goal at any time. Uh, Luther Burden says he's not planning on transferring. Okay, thank you. I guess you're planning on a quarterback transferring. <laughs> what I'm planning on is for the coach to listen to me and start this other guy at quarterback instead of the one we have. That was a miserable game, by the way. Auburn and Missouri, I don't feel like neither team wanted to win that game. I was convinced at one point that Brian Harson may end up coaching Boise State this next week after Boise State's problems, and they lost to UTEP. Yeah. That is an easy move for him to go back, to say it was a mistake at Auburn, let's go back. 
Coming up, we've got Monday Night Football, hopefully a shade for the sun that's coming through the studio. Monday Night Football tonight, we'll give our picks through DraftKings and our expectations for the Giants against Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys. That's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. We've got Monday Night Football tonight. Cowboys, Giants. Chad, that means uh, millions will be watching. Millions will be watching. Do you want the... Um, I wonder how many is going to be watching the Manning cast night. I saw their guest. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Pat Johnson. McAfee. McAfee's just an easy go-to Tracy for those Morgan. guys. Tracy Morgan should be good. Big Tracy Morgan fan. I've got a little DraftKings parlay for you, Hutton, for oh, tonight's let's, game. Let's hear it. I'm going to go Cowboys money line. Cooper Rush is going to get it done again, not buying the Giants. I'm going anytime touchdowns by Saquon Barkley Good. and yeah. C.D. Lamb in oh, this game. He needs to get going, man. Plus 1,016 on the uh, on the odds on that one if all three hit in the same game parlay. Um, big game for Dallas, more so, I think, than, than the Giants because I, we're not expecting – the Giants deserve credit. They've been winning. Higher expectations, of course – uh, come with the Cowboys, but also knowing that with Cooper Rush, whenever Dak Prescott, I mean, they weren't moving the football with him whenever they were hosting Tampa Bay, but knowing that they weathered the storm, they won that game against the Bengals that no one thought they would. And Cooper Rush has played okay. I mean, he's not losing games for you. He's running the offense well. If they can get through and beat the Bengals... Follow that up with a win on the road in the division, knowing that you're getting Dak Prescott back sooner rather than later compared to what we thought was going to happen when the injury happened. That's where I'm intrigued to see where Dallas can end up. I think you, you and I both agree Philadelphia is the class of the NFC right now. But where does Dallas go in the pecking order of the postseason run? now that we're reaching the back end of the first month of the see, season? I, I think you can make the argument that there's pressure on both teams, however, which perspective you want to, you want to look through it for this reason, great opportunity for the Giants, right? No yes. one expected them to be two and zero, but to get to three and zero, all they have to do is beat Cooper Rush and the Cowboys at home, right? And they're three and zero. It's a great opportunity. It's on a silver platter for them. Cowboys losing that first week, losing their quarterback, they showed they're capable of doing something with the win over Cincinnati. I think you view any game against the Giants in your division as a great opportunity if you're the Cowboys. So I, it's in an odd way, there's pressure on both sides of this game tonight. Get $5 or bet $5, get $200 in free bets for all new DraftKings users. You've got to be 21 years or older. This is for first-time DraftKings Sportsbook customers only. DraftKings updating the NFL offer for you right now. You bet five, you win $200 in free bets. 
The offer is live right now. It goes through November 20th. Outkick.com slash bet is where you go to take advantage of this. Outkick.com slash bet. Bet $5 or more on any NFL pregame money line. If you win that bet, you win 200 in free bets. Make a deposit of at least 5 bucks, and then bet at least 5 bucks or more with your first wager and place it on the money line. You can do that tonight. Cowboys, Giants, win that bet. You're going to receive $200 in your account at DraftKings. And if you're like Chad, that means you're winning the bet. And then you get any additional cash winnings to your original wager. Once it settles, you got to be 21 years or older. Outkick.com slash bet for all of our DraftKings content. Outkick.com slash bet. I'm taking the Cowboys on the road, uh, basing this on history and basing this on the fact that I'm with you. I think CeeDee Lamb's got to come alive uh, at some point as their number one option. And I also think they can run the football tonight. We both like the Cowboys. We're both rolling with Cooper Rush in this game. Shocking. Dallas has won nine of the last ten against the Giants. And Micah Parsons might very well be the best player going right now in the league with his dominance. They move him around. First, you've got to find him defensively. He had 15 pass rush wins going into this week. That's the most by any NFL defensive player. There are seven teams that went into week three without, as a collective defense, having 15 pass rush wins. No, I wouldn't want to be the guy in the, in the press box that has to keep up with that. But someone does, and I trust them. Micah Parsons is the best at it. Nebraska, Arizona State, Georgia Tech, all Power 5 jobs open. Will Colorado be the next job open? So we'll continue to watch that and see how many we can get to before October. You mentioned being named the interim at Colorado. It's September, by the way, and those jobs are open already. Back at it tomorrow, 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern, for Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.